This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. It's promo code TURN, T-U-R-N. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of At The Turn. I'm Joe. That's Nick. Nick, how are things in Hawaii today? Joe, it's been a busy day for me. Um, I started my day with a 5K walk for St. Jude's uh, to end childhood cancer. Then I watched... um, some high-level U19 girls soccer action, mm. and now I'm recording an episode of At The Turn, then I'm going to a surprise birthday party after this. Um, a lot going on this weekend. I hope the person whose party it is isn't listening. The surprise is ruined. Mm, it's a good chance the surprise won't be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a really fun show for you today. Uh, we're we're going to talk about whether it is better to walk or better to ride in our Would You Rather segment. We're going to have some Tiger talk, of course. A lot of Tiger stuff to get to. Very excited for it. Uh, We're also going to talk about keeping a handicap. Who should do it? Why you should do it? Pros and cons? All that good stuff. But Nick, we're going to start with a very quick PGA Tour round. You want to set it up? Do you want to put the ball on the tee for us here? Um, Well, Wesley Bryan, who you know as a YouTube sensation... And turned PGA Tour player. And I think he won on tour this year. He did. Um, he was also on big break. I mean, this guy's got like, he's basically living the dream. Because all cool golf things, he's checked off the list. Including, in a PGA Tour round, Joe, he played in 88 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Tell pretty good. More. <laughs> so, it was the final round at the BMW Championship, which is one of the playoff events. And I think this was sort of like... A subtle protest, making a statement move. He played his round in just under 90 minutes. And he did and he shot 69 too. It's not like he was just hacking it out there. He was actually playing really well. He shot a 69. He played the front nine in just over 40 minutes. 40 <laughs> minutes for nine holes. That's amazing. So uh the highlights were really fun to watch. Tell me about the highlights, Joe, because I did not see any video evidence of this. 
Was he running the entire time? So we'll post it on our uh, At The Turn Facebook page, but there were points where he was running. There was a couple of putts where, so say he had like a 20-footer and it was a downhill putt. He would hit the putt, and about five feet into the 20-foot putt, he would start like walking after the ball. Like he would be (laughs) ahead of the ball sometimes. Um, He was taking the flag out of the hole himself if his caddy wasn't closer to the hole than he was jogging down some fairways. It was really, really fun to watch. We're going to have to post the highlights, like I said, on our Facebook page. It's at the turn on Facebook if you're not liking it already. And it, it, it's just a really fun, different thing. And the PGA Tour, I guess there's no official time record for a PGA Tour round, but I think anecdotally it is the fastest round ever played in PGA Tour history. So, Nick, l- let me ask you, have you ever tried to play, like, speed golf or fast golf? Like, if you have a uh, twilight round and you're trying to squeeze nine holes in and say you have an hour, do you ha- have you ever tried anything like this? I haven't, but this is something that's right up my alley. Uh, I've seen, like, advertisements for speed golf tournaments. Um, that would be super fun. Uh, I mean, I- I've played twilight rounds where it's like, okay, I'm going to try to you know, play as much as possible, but I've never just gone out there like, how fast can I play nine holes? How fast can I play 18? And how good can I score doing it? So I've never done anything like this, but my my interest has peaked, to say the least. I've done it once or twice, not in the sense of, oh, okay, I'm going to try to do this as fast as possible, but have an hour left, the sun is setting, Maybe you jog a little bit. The course is kind of empty. I've done that a few times, and it's really fun. And I have found that I actually played pretty well. I think there's something to the idea of not overthinking a shot, just getting up to it and hitting it, and just making it more of an athletic endeavor uh, than it otherwise could be. So I think it's fun. The speed golf, you're right. I have seen a lot of advertisements for that as well. It would be fun to get someone uh, who does that in some sort of tournament fashion on the pod. I'd love to ask him a lot of questions about it. Yeah, and if I get the opportunity to play in a speed golf tournament out here in Hawaii, Joe, um, I'd happy. I'd be happy to be a guest on At The Turn, and, and you could interview me, and <laughs> I could tell you all about it. Um, or, yeah, or anybody else who does it. Um, the thing that, that this reminds me of when you ask that question is, like, I've definitely played golf in a hurry, where it's kind of the opposite, where it's not fun because you're, like, staring at your watch and you know like oh no i gotta be at dinner in 45 minutes and i you know i'm on the 15th tee yeah i don't know how this is gonna work but that's not fun when you're like pressed against time and maybe there's a group ahead of you or you're playing with three other guys who could really care less (laughs) what time it is or how slow they are um so playing in a hurry is definitely different than this this sounds like fun playing when you're feeling rushed does not sound like fun is not fun yeah and i guess that brings up a good point, too. It's almost like you have to have a tournament set up for speed golf in order to participate in it. Because I can't just walk out on the course at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and say, all right, Mr. Marshall, here's here's my plan. I'm going to play in 90 minutes today. So if you can go ahead and speed up to all the groups, tell them, hey, there's this psycho back here. He's going to be running around trying to get the ball in the hole as fast as possible. Just go ahead and let him play through. That's, that's a tough pitch, and it's probably not going to happen. Right. I was going to say – there's really not a whole lot of opportunity to practice this or to or to do it if you just wanted to experiment. Um, you either have to be the first guy out in the morning or just catch a dead course around twilight when really nobody else is out there. But your best bet basically is teeing off at 
I don't know, whenever the sun comes up, six in the morning, and uh, and doing it that way. But then you're, I don't know how uh, loose you're going to be feeling at that at that hour. So yeah, definitely something I would try if there's if there's a speed golf tournament, I would definitely participate. Um, or maybe just sometime if you and me and some buddies are playing and we just decide to go out at six in the morning and, <laughs> and race around the course, we could do that too. That would be a lot of fun. And we'll move on in a second. But real quick, I got to let you and the folks who are familiar with Pacific Northwest listening to our pod. The Washington State Speed Golf Championship this year was held at Palouse Ridge Golf Club in Pullman, Washington. How about that? I mean, I wish I really wish I could have been there because that's throwing a whole new element into it. So you don't really know, like, like yeah, you might be an inferior golfer, but you might be in good shape. And maybe you don't know. Maybe you happen to play better when you're just reacting rather than analyzing. So uh, that would be interesting. One thing, I know you're trying to wrap this up, Very Joe, fun. but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against you a little bit. Do it. What, what about Wesley Bryan's caddy? I mean, he must have obviously gone with a game plan like, hey, here's what we're going to do. But the guy's got to carry the sticks. And I imagine he, had, he still had a staff bag. And um, that's a tough that's a tough ask for the caddy. I think at that point you're going beyond the standard ten percent caddy fee. Maybe you bump that up to twenty, <laughs> even twenty five percent. Just give him a little bigger cut. He'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And I also want to give him some props for shooting sixty nine. Uh, to yeah. do it under par is pretty incredible. And the article I read, it didn't mention what he shot, and I was like, well, he probably was getting up there pretty close to eighty. You know, I figured there was a reason they didn't mention it, and um, I was surprised to see that he did so well. Uh, hopefully, um, maybe we'll see a little bit more of this for guys who are teeing off first thing in the morning who have nothing to lose. And one more point on this. I always love when they talk about when a player is slow or fast on television because I interpret that as how much other players like to be paired with that person. So if someone's a really slow player and the announcer makes a point of saying that in my head, I always think, well, everyone hates this guy. (laughs) It's a good point. I think, I don't think it's too far off base either. Well, speed golf probably won't help your handicap too much. If you're not used to doing it. And Nick, I want to talk about handicaps a little bit. So casual golfers, people who just go out their weekend warriors. Do you think that they would benefit from keeping a handicap. I'm asking you. Um, well, I need you to define casual golfers because, like, I usually am pretty much obsessed with golf. Am I a casual golfer? I'm not playing competitively, but I play whenever I can. I play in tournaments if and when I can, uh, but it's not all that often. So, I mean, casual golf, I guess define it in, like, number of rounds per year, number of tournaments per year. Sure. I would say a casual golfer is someone who plays between 10 and 25 rounds a year and maybe one or two tournaments. Yeah, they should definitely keep a handicap. So do you think that there is a threshold where someone should not like if someone plays less than 10 rounds a year? No, no handicap for them. I would say number of rounds a year, less than 10. That that's one way of doing it. I would say if you're the kind of golfer who would never initiate a round of golf, like maybe you play four or five times a year because like your friend who loves golf wants to play and like you have a set of clubs or your dad wants to play or there's a work tournament, but you would never just wake up on a Sunday and say, I really want to play golf today. Um, if you would never really like be motivated to play golf on your own, probably don't need a handicap. But if you have an interest in golf, if you want to play, if you, if you want to take the initiative to get out there, you rally your buddies every once in a while, even if it is five to 10 times a year, 
um, yeah, you should keep a handicap because you should. It's a good way to measure um, if you're improving or not, how good you are. And it's a good way to make golf more fun if you're playing with your buddies who also keep handicaps. Right. That's why it's fun really playing a match with you because even though we're not at the same skill level, we always have good matches because we always play according to our handicaps. So that's really fun. Like the last time we played, we were pretty even in our normal score and you dusted me because of the handicap and that was really fun. You know, sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes I'll get the big lead and it goes back and forth. But handicaps, I think, are good for pretty much everybody to have just because it gives you some frame of reference for where someone is, right? And I understand what people say, oh, okay, if I'm not playing a lot of rounds, well, I shouldn't keep a handicap because that handicap may not be current. Sure, that's the case, but that golfer who posted those 20 rounds over like a a two-and-a-half-year span, that's still pretty close to what you are. Unless you broke your arm, you have the ability to be that golfer. It's not like it's going to be 10 strokes off and you're a sandbagger. It's just a general idea of what someone is as a golfer, their skill level. Right. There's a few other things I really like about it. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to list those as well. Number one, I'm a person who plays golf by myself a lot and it's a good way for me to make it interesting. If I know what my handicap is and then your handicap is different for every course because the courses are rated differently. So there's a formula that goes into it, but you can figure out what your handicap is for that course. So say I'm getting X number of strokes on this course, I can make it a competitive round against the course essentially with my handicap, even if I'm playing by myself. So that makes it a little more fun. No, it definitely does. And then also, if you're playing different courses, you might not realize one might be significantly more uh, challenging than another. So say you play a course, you shoot 80, and then a week later you go shoot 88, and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm, my game is falling apart, but then you put it in your handicap and realize those court, those scores might be within one of the handicap differential because the other course might be a little more difficult. So um, it puts things into perspective a little bit. And then, um, yeah, like I said, you can compete against yourself, which is always fun. No, you make a good point. Um, both of those are a good point. I like to play by myself. It's nice to have something on the line. And the second one, uh, I went down to Bandon with my dad and brother about a year ago now, and I hung an 84 up at Bandon. And I was going to break 80 and kind of blew up at the end. And I was like, ah, this is this is no fun. But you're right. I stuck it in my handicap. And I was like, wow, an 84 abandoned? That's actually pretty good in relation to the courses I usually play. So it uh, just took a little bit of the sting out. But, Nick, I think a lot – because, all right, of the people you know who play golf, how many have a handicap? I would, I would um, bet not a lot. No, not a lot. Uh, so there's a few that I think should play enough where they where they should who don't. Um, the ones that I know that have a handicap are like, I mean, me and you, a couple of my buddies who are like assistant pros or, or work in the golf business. And then one of my friends, Bill, one of my favorite people to play golf with on this planet who plays like <laughs> his whole summer, whenever it's, there's not snow on the ground, his whole life is revolves around like all these amateur golf tournaments all around the north, the inland Northwest. Um, and obviously he has a handicap, but a lot of people, it's like kind of surprising that they wouldn't keep a handicap for how much golf they play. First of all, that's like your fourth bill drop on the pod. Yeah. And I really I've never played golf with Bill, so I'm I'm really jealous. Next time we both get out to the Palouse, we're 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 playing with Bill. Yeah, we gotta play with Bill. So that to the to the point I was trying to make with the handicap, I think the way that people the methodology to of of getting a handicap is 
is very difficult. It's just it's just tough to get a handicap. So uh, I'll let you explain how you have one in a second. But the idea is that you're supposed to belong to a golf club, right? So every golf club, you can get a gin number through them. So the gin number is basically your handicap number. And what you do is you have that, and you have to sort of belong to a club and pay a fee in order to get a handicap. So it's not just like a free thing. Don't you think that we're going to get to a point probably in the not-too-distant future, I would think within a decade, where that system is just done and we just all do it online because the current system was created in, like, I don't know, 1930 and we still use it in 2017? We just got to make it a lot easier for people to get handicaps because it shouldn't be anything prohibitive. Everyone should have one. It should be a thing that any golfer can have. You just go online, pop in the score, and it just takes care of the rest. Yeah, I agree. And uh, when I went to get my handicap in Hawaii, I was surprised at how difficult it was because there's a lot of like unofficial websites that will take your money and give you a handicap, but it's not an official handicap. They'll use the same formula, um, but it's it's not accepted for a lot of tournaments. That's you don't worthless. get a, a number. Exactly. Um so you have to be careful about how you sign up for it. And I think it is – I do think it's surprising that in 2017 you still have to be affiliated with a specific golf club um, to have a handicap. And I think that does stop a lot of people from doing it who don't you know, have a membership at a club or play the same course regularly. Um, but yeah, so how I ended up getting my handicap um, is I joined – the Hawaii eGolf Association, which is basically an internet version of a, a golf club in Hawaii. Um, and so I paid my dues to them to get my handicap. And then, and I'm now a member of that association. And they have tournaments every once in a while. I get emails, you know, maybe three times a year about a, a tournament they have coming up so the members can meet each other because they're not affiliated with a specific course. Um, but yeah, it was surprising because there was a few where I was. I got to like the web page where I was going to enter my credit card information and pay for it before I realized that, you know, the fine print that that's not an official gin, which you mentioned earlier, which is the kind of governing body of handicaps, if you will. So you got to be careful. And it's surprising that it is that difficult. And hopefully, like you said, um, it that will kind of change in the near future. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of unofficial places you can give your money and not really get anything for it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about all I have on the handicap. Uh, I think it's something that folks should have, err on the side of having a handicap. It's just a, nice, it's just a nice thing to have, especially if you play more than 10 rounds of golf a year. I feel like that's the number. That was a good number, Nick, 10 rounds. Yeah, for sure. And it's also like going into, since we're going into the fall and winter months and golf season's kind of coming to an end, it's a good thing to you keep a handicap and it's this number at the end of the year. Um, you know, you put in some extra work over the winter, maybe you're chipping some balls in your living room or, or putting or, you know, working on air swings or whatever it might be to come back in the spring and see, uh, you know, see if your hard work pays off. So I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine not keeping a handicap. I'm with and you. anybody who's writing a thesis on handicaps now has all the information they need <laughs> if they just listen to this episode. Yes. Many, many college students want to write their term papers based on our conversations. I trust. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsors, come back with a little Would You Rather and Tiger Talk. Thanks for listening to At The Turn. At The Turn is sponsored by Vice Golf. If you'd like to get free shipping on your order from Vice Golf, go to vicegolf.com. 
Enter promo code TURN, T-U-R-N, at checkout, and you'll get free shipping. Joe and I have both been playing the Vice Pro Soft golf ball and been loving the way it performs on the greens, the way it feels off the club face. Um, try it out for yourself. Go to vicegolf.com, enter promo code TURN, and get free shipping. Buckle up. It's time for another edition of Would You Rather. This week, we're keeping it very simple. Would you rather walk on the golf course or ride in a golf cart? Nick, the floor is yours. Joe, I think you know the answer to this one for me. I'd rather walk every day of the week. Wow. Um, I think walking walking 18 holes is uh, part of the experience. For me, it's more enjoyable. I've got friends who say, oh, I don't want to mix my golf and my exercise, but I'm calling them out because golf takes long enough as it is. If you can kind of check off two boxes in that five hours, all the better. Um, you start to feel sore by the end of it. The next day you feel a little tired. It feels like you did something. Uh, you're out there with nature. You know, you're just kind of walking this beautiful land. Uh, it slows you down. I like the pace a little bit better because you're not feeling like you're pedal to the metal the whole time and you got to rush. Um, gosh, I would, I would walk. I would, I would walk. I mean, I would choose walking 100% of the time. I, I just don't know what else to say. I assume you're on the same page. I will. I, I like to walk when the round is slow. If there's a lot of people on the course and it's going to take five, five and a half hours, I'd rather walk every time. Because why would I want to get in a little motorized machine that's going to take me to my ball as fast as possible when I'm just going to have to sit there and wait and be aggravated and think about my shot? What if this is a big shot coming up? All these terrible thoughts going through my head. But I can just walk. Be very leisurely, talk with my friends, like you said, look at some nature around me. Maybe there's a squirrel going up a tree. You notice all these things. When you're riding, you feel very rushed. Now, the thing I do like about riding is that you get your your own little sort of protective vehicle, right? So if it's hot, it's windy, if it's raining, you get a little you get a little thing on and uh, you're safe in the cart. Right, you have the the roof over you. You can put the windshield up. It's all good. So I would say in these circumstances, I prefer to ride when it is an empty course. When I can just zip around real quick in the cart, maybe play a quick little three-hour round. Not as impressive as Wesley Bryan, but I'm trying. Or if the weather is poor, if it's too hot, if it's too wet, if it's too windy. Uh, I can see that. And and I played a couple rounds in a cart where. I have played in like three hours because it's super early and there's nobody in front of me. But um, I don't know. I, I think I think you touched on it. When you're in a cart, you feel rushed. And I don't think there's really any way when you get from your tee to the tee to your shot in like 25 seconds, it's hard to <laughs> take a minute to digest everything that's going on around you and, and hit a shot you feel good over. So I don't know. I, uh, I enjoy being out there. The couple times that I do enjoy riding is if I want to drink beer while I'm out there playing. Obviously, it's tough to, to lug around like a six or 12 pack when you're carrying your clubs um, or to stuff it all in your bag if you're pushing your, pushing your clubs on a push cart. Um, so having a, having a cooler in the back of a cart is nice if I'm playing. But I usually play at like seven or eight in the morning. So not usually drinking beer at that time of the day. I can't say it's never happened, but not usually. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I would pick a 7am round, pushing my clubs in my nice little push cart, no beer, just me and nature, maybe a couple buddies every time. The weather thing, you know, that's part of it. You know, if it's going to rain, it's going to rain, you're outside and you know, you just got to be the, you just got to take it. You know, I think that's kind of, 
part of the challenge. When did you switch from carrying your clubs to having a push cart? Because I switched probably three to four years ago. Um, for me, last summer, last summer I did, and uh, it's—I mean, it was like a hundred dollars for this push cart I got. It's—it's it's amazing. I read an article actually that it's—it's it's way better for your back. It's—it's it's actually kind of compresses your spine to carry your clubs. And the exercise standpoint, I think over the course of like. 18 holes, you burn maybe 10 fewer calories if you're pushing your cart, pushing your clubs as opposed to carrying. So, yeah, I did it a little over a year ago, and I, and I love it. Wait a minute. I have to call you out for that statement, Nick. No, it's true. 10 fewer calories? It's, it's <laughs> essentially like the exact same. Like It's like 1,000 no calories, I swear to God. So you're saying that let's – just, let's just take 1,000 calories. So you're uh-huh. saying if I push my clubs with the cart – I burn a thousand calories. Let's say mm-hmm. if I yep. carry my clubs for five hours, this I don't know fifty pound bag on my back, I'm only going to burn ten more calories over the course of five hours. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, it but it's does. almost the exact same. It's just slightly fewer, and then it's like I don't know, maybe seventy or sixty percent of that if you ride. So you know you're still still burning some calories, but it's you know about half. Wow. Well, going back to the push cart issue, I when 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 I played in high school and um, even in, I didn't play for a college team, but when I was in college and played golf, I saw people with push carts, and I was always thought, I'm, I'm never gonna do that. That looks so lame. I can carry my clubs; it's no big deal. But now that I'm ten years removed from that, I can't believe I ever thought that. There, there, there is no benefit to carrying your clubs as opposed to using a push cart. The strain on your back is unbelievable. So I zipped out with my dad a few weekends ago and played nine holes, and I thought, oh, it's just nine. I'll carry. I haven't carried in a while. <laughs> no joke. I, I was sore for three days afterward. It was such a dumb thing to do. But the push cart just is so superior to actually carrying your sticks. And the bags are even way better than they used to be. And even so, the push cart is just it's, – it's not even a, a contest. Yeah, and it's one of those things you never knew you missed until you had it, I guess, because I, I was the same way. Like, I would always carry my clubs, and I thought, it's just, this is fine, because I didn't know anything different. Like, I didn't know how painful it was until I pushed, and I was like, oh, my God. And then then one time after that, I carried again and was like, wow, it was, it was super sore, and the same thing as you. Like, I didn't realize how much work it actually was to do it. And then, I, like I said, I read that article. I swear to God, I know you're calling BS. Find that article. God, it's like almost <laughs> the exact same to, to push as it is to carry. So if you can if find you like that to article, exercise, I will. I'll find it. I'll find it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If one, of our, if one of our listeners can find that article, I will send you a box of golf balls from Vice Golf personally if you can find that article <laughs> and have it say that. Um, mark it down. I'm, I'm saying that. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. All right. Now. Someone else who has a sore back, we're going to talk about now. It's everyone's favorite time of the show. It's time for some Tiger talk. Now, I know all we do is talk about Tiger Woods off the golf course. We're going to talk about something Tiger Woods close to the golf course. So, I was very excited to see this news this week, Nick. Tiger Woods went from 1,137th place in the world to 1,136th place in the world. He went up one in the official world golf rankings. Don't ask me how that happened, but Tiger Woods, the comeback is starting. <laughs> I I am really curious as to how this happened. I guess it must be like a bunch of people ahead of him. Played so bad. bad. Yeah, or didn't play and lost tournaments or whatever the, for the formula, but... 
Um, that's interesting to me. Obviously, it has nothing to do with Anything. how he did on the course. <laughs> Maybe they're applying how pristine his his chip shot videos were to his world <laughs> golf ranking. <laughs> Just so that's, not the, that's not a pitch shot of, of a 1137th ranked golfer. Let's bump him up one. <laughs> there should be some sort of Tiger rule. Like, when Tiger does something impressive that doesn't count in an official golf tournament, whoa, <laughs> t- that was a sweet blog post, Tiger. We're going to bump you up two rankings in the official <laughs> world golf rankings. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. So I guess it just has to be from other people's misfortune. But yeah. hey, good for him. So the other thing, we'll we'll get to the main Tiger news this week. But before we do, uh, I want to – there was a, an interview with um, – 2011 British Open champion Darren Clark. He's been a Ryder Cup captain. He has uh, a really good salt and pepper beard. He's a, a portly Irishman, if if that any if that rings a bell to anybody. <laughs> so they asked him about Tiger because him and Tiger are boys. They're buddies. Apparently, Tiger doesn't pick up the check. I mean, color me surprised that Tiger Woods <laughs> isn't generous with his money. That's it's very shocking. Uh, so in the interview, he says that Tiger had, quote, a very successful savings account, which is a weird way to put that. He didn't quite pay for too many dinners whenever we were out. I have to say, he couldn't even be coerced into paying for dinners. <laughs> they couldn't force him or bully him into it. He did call Tiger a good guy, though. This is shocking. I, I'm disappointed again um, for the second week in a row in Tiger's behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Only the last two weeks. He should he should pay for everything when he's out, don't you think? You know, it, it's funny you say that. So I have to talk about another podcast real quick, the No Laying Up podcast. They did a really awesome interview with Roy McIlroy. You should check it out. And they asked him a great question. Do you pick up the check when you're out? And he said if it's like a crazy amount of money, he will. If it's like 100 bucks with him and like six of his buddies, he'll you know throw his che- card out there if no one else has, but everyone just kind of picks up the check. I think once you get to a certain level of fame and a certain level of wealth, if the check is over like 500 bucks, that's your responsibility. Especially if you have Tiger Woods money. The man is a billionaire almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Um, you know, everybody hates it when they go out to like a group dinner and there's eight people and they pass for the check around and everybody puts their money in. And then all of a sudden it's $15 short and nobody's owning up to it. So somebody's got to bite the bullet and pay for somebody else's meal or cover their tax and tip or whatever they didn't do. Like, do you think Tiger's that guy who... If he orders a $37 steak, he's putting $37 in towards the check and letting everybody else just cover the rest. Like, that is so Tiger. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> Don't be that guy. There's a lot of guys that Tiger shouldn't be, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Did you get a chance to read that blog post that I sent you about Tiger? I did not. Oh, okay. Well, I, I get it. It was a very busy week for Hawaii soccer, so I will fill you in. Tiger wrote this super long blog post about a variety of seemingly random issues. He talks about Rafa Nadal winning the U.S. Open. Now he did sit in Rafa's box, so I kind of get that. Talked about the Raiders and how they need to have a good offensive line. Um, (laughs) I'm telling you, it's super random. Um, But he does talk about some substantial stuff. Uh, First thing, Tiger Tiger Woods is graduating. I mean, it's not funny. The man's trying to recover and get back to golf. But he... Moved on, so he posted a video of him hitting a simple pitch shot probably like 25 yards a couple weeks ago. He said the doctor has him up to not full wedges yet, Nick. He's not to a full wedge, but he is hitting 60-yard shots. So Doc says no to 65, yes on 60-yard wedge shots. So that's where Tiger's (laughs) game is at this point. 
Uh, and he, he 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 talked about no timetable for a return, how he's rehab having the same old stuff. But there was one little nugget in there I found interesting. He said he doesn't know what sort of swing he's going to have when he comes back. He's going to use the swing that his body will allow him to use. So it kind of sounds like finally Tiger is on board with everybody else just basically saying, look, when you were at your best, your short game is what got you there. Yeah, you can hit it a long way, but you made every putt you looked at. Your short game was impeccable. And so if he gets back to that mindset, Tiger could be a good old man golfer. I am so excited for old man Tiger to win the Masters and win golf tournaments by being clever. He's not going to outpower DJ and Rory. He's got to be clever. And it sounds like his mind is finally getting to that place. That, that's the best Tiger news I've heard in a long time that he said he doesn't know what swing he's going to have because that, that tells me exactly what you just said. Like, okay, it's time to have a career and that's going to revolve, the swing is going to revolve around what his body will allow him to do where he basically built his career off his swing revolving around getting every, 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 extra inch out of the ball he could at the, at the expense of his body. So if he can reinvent himself around what his body will allow him to do, and like you said, make money uh, with the wedges and the putter, then uh, that'd be pretty fun to watch. There was one more. And, oh, and sorry, it just tells me that he's not going to be on the sidelines for like years at a time again, hopefully once he does make a return. So uh, when you're listening to this, the, the – um, President's Cup is probably over at this point. So Tiger is an assistant captain at the President's Cup this year. He was. And he did write about a bit about his responsibilities in the President's Cup. Now, I didn't see anyone else really pick up on this quote, and I'm making way more of it than it actually is. I just thought of it. The, the visual I got was really funny. So this is, this is a quote from Tiger's blog. My biggest takeaway from the Ryder Cup last year was that as a player, it's very simple. All you have to do is get ready to play four ball and foursomes and know who you might play with. That's it. As an assistant captain, you're in charge of the wives, girlfriends, families, caddies, and individuals that support the golfers. It's a lot more organizational work than I was used to as a player. So, you really think Tiger Woods is telling Amy Mickelson what to do with the President's Cup this weekend? (laughs) Um, I think it's funny that the first thing he says is, what did he say? Uh, You're in charge of the wives, girlfriends, families. Um, yeah, start with the caddies. Don't, don't start with the wives and girlfriends. My goodness. Like, like, yes. just, like, Maybe that's offensive to like the guys who are in there playing. And they're like, wait, I don't want Tiger in charge of my wife. Yes. Like there's a lot of probably new young players. Like I know he's buddies with JT and those guys. But, you know, if you're Justin Thomas. You're thinking to yourself, well, Tiger's spending a lot of time with my girlfriend right now. while I'm trying to win this point for Team America. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. Do you get the uh, impression that he's saying that being an assistant captain may not be for him because it's organizational work and he's kind of more into the playing thing? Or is he just pointing out that it's different than people might think? I think he's probably trying to illustrate that it's different than people might think. I really hope that because I think that even though I'm kind of poking fun at it right now, I think it's really good for Tiger to be involved in this sort of way. It's important for him to be involved in the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup. You know, that is golf's version of the All-Star Game. And it's important for Tiger to be involved with that because he's still a very important figure. You know, all these 22, 23-year-olds, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, those guys grew literally grew up with Tiger. Like, their, their, their entire life has been Tiger Woods has been the best golfer in the world. So to have that presence around those guys is only going to be beneficial. Obviously, the quote is written in a pretty funny way, but I think it's really good for Tiger to be involved. And I hope that he doesn't view this as something that is an obligation as opposed to something that it actually wants to do. 
Yeah, I think that whether he wants to do it or not, I think by being Tiger Woods, I don't want to use the word obligation, but I kind of feel like he should do it whether he wants to or not. Hopefully yeah. he wants to do it, but um, it, it's kind of bigger than than him. You know, his legacy, you know, he built the game into what it is. Um, I think it needs him. It needs his presence. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's, he's a historical figure, you know, whether he likes it or not. Um, so whether if he doesn't want to do it, I hope he does anyways because he realizes that it's important for him to be there and he should be there, you know, whether it's the most fun for him or if he'd rather be playing or whatever, he needs to be involved because he's Tiger Woods. So I have a little factoid to end the program about Tiger. Let's hear it. Phil Mickelson's most recent PGA Tour win is July 21st, 2013, the Open Championship. Tiger Woods' most recent PGA Tour win, August 4th, 2013, the Bridgestone Invitational, which he won by seven strokes over Keegan Bradley and Henrik Stenson. That is courtesy of Wikipedia. So, Nick, does that mean Tiger still has a chance to come back? His most recent win uh, was more recent than Phil, or is that just nonsense that I just spit out for everybody? No, he definitely has a chance to come back. I mean, it's golf. It's it's a sport where people into their 40s and 50s have, have won every single year. So, you know, he just needs to, like we said earlier, kind of reinvent himself, find the game that's going to allow him to be successful, um, and then just get healthy and do it. Um, I certainly think there's a chance for him to, to make a comeback. And people forget he won five times in 2013. Like, he dominated that year. Everybody thought that was you know, he was back for good at that point. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But, I mean, if he can get, you know, 90 to 100% healthy for five to 10 year, for a five to 10 year stretch, I, I definitely think we'll see some more W's for Tiger. Tell you what, if you want to have some fun, just go to Tiger's Wikipedia page. I, I, I spent a lot of time on it this morning. Um, he has, so he has 40 European Tour wins in addition to 79 PGA Tour wins. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here, Tiger. His uh, career playoff record in the PGA Tour and the European Tour combined is 21-1. and one. Wow. His only loss. He lost to Billy Mayfair in 1998, the Nissan Open. Who doesn't remember that? I mean, good for Billy Mayfair, <laughs> you know? That's pretty cool. You only got to beat Tiger in a playoff. Anyway. I'm just reading Tiger's Wikipedia page now. That means we should probably wrap up the show. What do you think? Yeah, next, next week's episode is just going to be reading his Wikipedia page. <laughs> That'd be a good episode. Uh, <laughs> Vice Golf. They're a really good company. They make premium golf balls, a less than premium price. They're German. They're, sh they're very sharp, very sleek. Nick and I both play them. Uh, if you want them, go to vicegolf.com. Enter promo code TURN. You get the free shipping. And uh, that's all you have to do. Nick, good show this week. Thanks, Joe. It's been fun. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.